Turn up the heat this summer. Get propane delivery straight to your door with Cinch. C-Y-N-C-H. It's easy and convenient to order, and Cinch brings the tanks to your home on your schedule. Just go to Cinch.com. That's C-Y-N-C-H.com. Select your delivery date and drop-off location, and Cinch handles the rest. Now, new customers can get their first propane tank exchange for just $10 when they use promo code TANK10 at checkout. Cinch. Propane grill tank home delivery. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Visit C-Y-N-C-H.com offer for details we did it again verizon was just named america's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row proving once again that nobody builds networks like verizon builds networks that's why we're building 5g right that's why there's only one best network verizon best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined not specific to 5g networks Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. Everything is good. Um... For those of you who I know are thinking, where's the chicken film? I promise I will get the chicken film soon. And that's for those of you who follow our uh, the video of the, the new chicks that I have. And one thing I have to add, I had one of my little bantams. Uh, I put lattices. I have two sheds out there. And I put lattices so that they wouldn't go under there and lay eggs and have um, unmonitored hatchings. But I have a little, little bantam, which I hatched before. She's really small. Guess what? She got under there. And they put the lattice down. And then, like, with it, I know my chickens. A couple of days, I'm like, where's this chicken? Sure enough, <laughs> she went under the shed. And, uh, I mean, I undid some of the lattice so she can come out and eat or drink. But she's going to have some more chicks. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping to get videos of that too but yeah it's like yeah marlene's adventures in chicken land but anyway guys let's get on to the important stuff the interesting stuff and that has to do with the guest and this gentleman has been on here before his name is lon strickler he's been involved with the paranormal the the, the entire field everything and but for you for those of you for many years for those of you who are not familiar with lon let me give you a little bit of information about him he is a Fortean researcher, author, and publisher of the syndicated Phantoms and Monsters blog, which he began in 2005 
and it has steadily grown in popularity and is read on a daily basis by tens of thousands of paranormal enthusiasts, investigators, and those seeking the truth. His research and reports have been featured on hundreds of online media sources. Several of these published reports have been presented on various television segments, including the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Paranormal Witness, Factor Faked Paranormal Files, and Destinations America's Monsters and Mysteries in America. Uh, he's been interviewed on several radio broadcasts, including multiple guest appearances on Coast to Coast AM. He's also been featured on Destination America's Monsters and Mysteries in America uh, with a show about the Sykesville Monster episode. He's written eight books and is currently the host of Arcane Radio on Beyond Explanation YouTube channel, which, by the way, we'll have a link to the website and the YouTube in the credits of the show. Uh, Lon was born and raised in South Central Pennsylvania near the Gettysburg National Military Park and Battlefield. After living in the Baltimore, Maryland metro area for 40 years, he actually moved back to his hometown in 2016. So welcome back, Lon. How are you doing? Hey, Marlene. I'm doing fine. Fantastic. We were already, <laughs> like I always do, I tell my guests, we were already chit-chatting about everything that's going on in paranormal, cryptid, UFO land, you know, everything that's unusual. And uh, you and I'm going to, we'll go back to originally, but right before that, we were talking about the Mothman uh, sighting that started back in 2011 in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bring this is most, there's a lot of the, my audience I know, which is very familiar with the Mothman story because of the movie that was made. Right. And, but now you were telling me that, well, obviously it's been around, we're talking then 10 years, right? That they've had sightings of it? Well, it's actually been longer than that. I mean, I've been involved with it when there were three sightings back in 2011 in South Chicago. And, um, you know, from 2011 into 2017, there were maybe a few sightings that were went unreported though when this started in 2017 we started getting older reports but you know winged humanoids and winged cryptids are uh not strangers to the uh lake michigan area this stuff's been going on for a long long time so mm -hmm. uh but yeah this this thing kind of fell in our laps in 2017 when some reports started showing up on mufon we kind of grabbed it and ran with it and started uh, looking for witnesses and con you know, having witnesses contact us and actually went out and did investigations. So, um, uh, so currently, I, I, I guess now, oh, God, I don't even know how many we've had, but I, 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 I would say it's easily over 125 cases, we believe, really? that are legitimate cases there have been more reports but you know some we just can't you know just can't put in that list of uh verifiable so um mm -hmm. yeah so that's where we're at and uh it, it has slowed up some this year uh but from october 2019 up until recent times most of the sightings have been in and around the o'hare airport uh and the Rosemont area. Now, now, why that has been happening, that's something we don't know. Though, there has been some possible UFO and extraterrestrial parallels to these sightings and encounters. Let me, because 
and I'm gonna uh, for those people who you know uh, at one point you know as in the movie uh, they it was thought as the uh, how can I say it that seeing it was like a warning in other words disaster something you know some, yeah, people, some people it was either a warning to so some people it caused it what you know the different have there been any type of events that are linked no. to any of these sightings? No, not that I know of. I mean, you know, of course, with the Point Pleasant and the Mothman, the Point mm -hmm. Pleasant, 66 and 67, uh, it apparently accumulated to the, the 46 people dying on the collapsed Silver Bridge. Right. Well, you know, I don't really buy into the Harbinger theory for the most okay. part. Uh, you know, that was um, some. Some pe people claim that they saw this winged being above the bridge before the collapse, though that hasn't really been substantiated, never mm -hmm. has been. It's a small town. You have a, a major tragedy like that, especially right before Christmas. Yes. People are looking for excuses. Right. And, I've, been there. I've been there, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It's, yeah, it's and it's, it's a big deal there now, actually. I mean, you know, they kind of embraced it. But, you know, mm -hmm. when John Keel got there and started writing about it, that's when all this uh, this parallel and Harbinger stuff kind of got involved. Right. I mean, there have been sightings worldwide of uh, winged humanoids. And quite frankly, the only, the only instance that I know where a winged being may have been a, associated as a harbinger of a disaster was at Chernobyl. Uh, okay. several days before the Chernobyl disaster, people had been reporting a large black winged creature. Okay. They called it the Blackbird of Chernobyl was mm -hmm. seen hovering above the uh, reactor. Okay. I mean, is that is a circumstance or whatever? I don't know. Let me ask, what was, was, uh, and I know hindsight's 2020. Did they report that prior to the incident or was it, did some, yeah. you know, after the fact, Oh, by the way, I saw. There were records of it. Okay. There, there were actual records of it. Uh, there was some testimony to it. Okay. Uh, it wasn't well known, but, uh, you know, after it occurred, uh, people went back and looked and, and had seen that some, there had been some mention of it by some witness. Okay. And, and I think that's, um, that's very interesting as far as, now this one the let's get back to the chicago one yeah is there anything that happens that because i've been to that area my, my son trained for the navy a little bit you know in the great lakes base which is you know you go up uh, from lake michigan i know what you're talking about once you go outside of the city itself you yeah. there's a lot of area out there right on the lakeside on the lake well, you go up that whole area around the lake, especially on the the west side of the lake, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a lot of green area. It's right. a lot of open area, uh, rivers, streams, it, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And we have had sightings all up and down from Milwaukee down to, I guess, mid-Indiana. You know, you know, we've had sightings all around. We even had a few over in Michigan, you know, over the other side. But... Mm -hmm. uh, the sightings overall have been consistent. Okay. Uh, I don't believe it's just one being. I believe it's several. Okay. Uh, where they're coming from, you know. Are they? That, are, are, do they look that that like that 
the descriptions are they like that prototypical i'm gonna say the uh you know the 1960s mothman which is yeah. the guys you know and yeah, the, the, the Mothman at Point Pleasant was described as a more insectoid type being. Right, exactly. Where it had the moth-like butterfly wings mm -hmm. and uh, the red eyes that were kind of... The, there wasn't really a head. The, the eyes were set in the upper body. Right. Uh, had detached arms and uh, legs and such. It was... You know, the body was kind of stout. Uh, I, I'd say the average size of the descriptions is around four foot or five foot. The sightings in um, in in and around Chicago have been fairly consistent, though uh, there have been you know one of the early sightings mentioned that it had the uh, the butterfly wings that kind of extended up over the head, mm -hmm. but for the most part, ninety five percent or more of the sightings have been of a gargoyle like being. Uh, bat wing membrane wing being that's up to six foot in height, mm -hmm. uh, dark in color. Uh, the wings, like I said, are anywhere from twelve to fifteen foot in diameter. In wow, excuse me, in in span. That's hard to miss. That uh, sometimes the arms are attached to the wings. Sometimes they're detached. Some mm -hmm. had red eyes. Some didn't. The head was usually very small and thin. The body was emaciated, okay, but it looked very humanoid. It would uh, it would propel itself by unknown manner. You know, it would literally jettison itself off the ground into the air, and then and when it reached an apex, it usually screamed. Oh my god! Yeah, you know what that reminds that description reminds me of kind of you know that movie Jeepers Creepers. Mm. Well, suit. people have uh, people have described it as looking like the Jeepers Creepers. Oh my God! Whoa! Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. You know, I, and I guess they say that because they really can't compare it to anything right, else. Right, right. I know, I know. Uh, you know, this being itself is something very similar to something I had seen back in 1988. Okay. Uh, the body style, the red eyes, the height, the wings, the whole nine yards. Uh, I had an encounter with two other gentlemen in, in 1988 and uh, very similar to this, which I think uh -huh. is kind of interesting because, and the, you know, you look at the parallel, you know, mm -hmm. here we are getting these sightings and my group, and I do have a, a large group of investigators. Uh, we've been getting the lion's share of the sighting reports and had been doing the investigation over the years. So uh, I don't know if they, I don't know if we were destined to get it or what, but uh, it, it does seem interesting. What What was your experience that you had in '88? Well, I was uh, I was living down in, in near Baltimore at the time. Uh, I was at a Boy Scout. I don't even know what it was. Some kind of jamboree or some kind of ex, at the exhibition at Maryland State Fairgrounds. And a friend of mine who I had gone to school with and had been in Boy Scouts together was there. And we hadn't talked in years, though he and I used to go out to the Gettysburg battlefield when we were kids and used to sleep out there at nighttime and, you know, see a few things out there. So okay. he was aware of some of the investigations I had been involved with over the years. So, um, you know, we got talking and uh, we were sitting there eating lunch and he mentioned to me, he said, look, I'm, um, 
let me ask you if, if you wouldn't mind going up to the old Camp Conawaga with me uh, next weekend because, and he told me that there was there were stories of campers who had been out camping out the campgrounds, which was actually in the woods by the uh, by the creek. Uh, they were hearing these screaming sounds and was scaring them off. And he said he was interested in finding out what was going on. He was um, he was a, a scout master himself, but he was also heavily involved with the uh, with the York Adams uh, Council Boy Scout Council right. uh, in South Central Pennsylvania. So, and uh, now this location, Camp Conawaga, is really not that far from Gettysburg. It's closer to a town called New Oxford. But you know, I'm I, I used to go there a lot as a kid. Well, anyway. I met, I did, yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll meet you up there. So I, when I got up there, he and another guy were there. And uh, a friend asked me, he said, you, you mind staying the whole week? And I said, no, you know, you know, I'm free, so we'll go out and camp. And, you know, it was back in 88. I'd go camp back then. I can't do it now. I'd be stiff as a board out there now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we uh, went, walked into the woods, got up by the, uh, the, uh, uh, Conewago Creek and uh, camped out there by the edge and uh, you know, set camp up, had three tents up, and we were just sitting around a fire. Uh, first night, nothing happened. You know, we did hear some sounds like something was walking in the camp ground that night. But, you know, I thought maybe it was one of those guys getting up, walking around. So I never thought about what it would have been. Nothing was disturbed. Right. So the next morning we got up and, you know, we were going to plan on doing some investigating, walking around uh, all day and see if we could come up with anything where these screaming sounds were coming from. And anyway, that was the report. They were hearing a screaming sound. It sounded like uh, like a baby crying or a, a, a girl crying, something out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we took off into the woods and... Um, we were out there a while. I mean, you know, we really didn't come up with anything. And uh, we got back to the campsite, I guess, about 6 o'clock, made something to eat. And uh, we sat around the fire, you know, just talking most of the night. And then around 11 o'clock, of course, it was really dark at night, though the moon did put have did let off a lot of moon moonlight so we could kind of see things okay uh, i don't think it was a full moon but it was fairly light because of the moon well anyway we were sitting there and all of a sudden we hear this screaming sound and i didn't know what it was i mean the first thing i'm thinking is that's oh, either an owl or some animal that's making a screaming sound and it was kind of fading in and out so it was kind of disturbing. I didn't really know what to make of it. Okay. You know, a lot of animals make a lot of screaming sounds. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that's what I've heard. You know, I've heard rabbits scream. It's like bloody murder when you hear them scream. Uh, but, you know, we were trying to figure out what it was. So we didn't think much about it. Actually, we were saying, well, if that's all it is. I mean, then that's nothing. So, you know, we went ahead, sat around a little longer, talking football or whatever. And then. I got up to stretch my legs. I guess I was, um, it was close to midnight, maybe a little after. And, uh, I, when, as I told you before, I'm, I'm intuitive. 
So, okay. you know, I kind of sense a lot of different things, you know. Sure. And I was a walk around the campsite. I walked out to the trail, which goes along the creek. And I just felt, you know, I just felt like something was watching us. So, you know, I came on back. I told those guys, I said, look, why don't we go up the trail a bit uh, and just see what's going on? Maybe we'll see something at night with the flashlights. So, yeah, you know, we nothing else to do. So that's what we did. So we got up and got our flashlights in a single file, walking down the trail with the creek on the right side. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it and it wasn't more than maybe 50 foot into the trail, we noticed these red eyes in the middle of the creek. And by the time we got our flashlights on this thing, it shot up out out of the creek. And the creek was pretty shallow at this point. Uh Uh-huh. But we saw the form of this thing it was dark in color, but these red eyes, and they were they were bright. And this thing shot up into the air, and a couple seconds up, it screamed. And we heard it going away from us. <clears throat> so I'm you know, we were freaked out. And we got back to the campsite, and uh my buddy wasn't talking. He he was scared to death. And uh the other guy and I I asked him what he had seen. He said, did you notice something on the back? And I, I did. And it looked like it had structures on the back, like wings. Though I didn't see any wings come out. Right. It looked like they were folded wings in the back. So I was surprised, not only by the red eye, but the way this thing just jettisoned up into the air like a rocket. It was amazing. I mean, it was, it was an audible whooshing sound when it took off. Okay. So... Uh, my friend, he didn't want to stay at the campsite. He wanted to go up to the administration building. I was about stayed. to say, did you guys go sleep after this? <laughs> well, I stayed, but him, the, him, and the other guy, they went up there and spent the night. Okay. I wanted to see what it was. I mean, I, I didn't know what the hell I had just seen. Uh, but, you know, I didn't hear anything else the rest of the night. And, um, you know, and it's interesting. I never really said much about it for about 20 years. Okay. Uh, I, um, you know, I had talked about it with my buddy maybe at another time, but I didn't mention it to too many people. Uh, then when I started the blog, I started, you know, writing stuff. And, I, and one day, I think it was 2007, 2008, I decided to write about this. Right. And when I did, I started getting responses. Uh, I had one guy who had lived at Dick's Dam, which is upstream from where we were about a mile. And he told me he had been hearing that screaming for 20 years. He said he oh. had he, he never knew what it was, you know. So um, not long after that, I got a phone call from a, uh, a scoutmaster who told me, okay. he said, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were out of Camp Conewaga, me and my troop. And during the daytime, the kids had been out up on the trail walking, you know, hiking, whatever, just screwing around. And they came running back. They were just, I mean, they were, they were distraught. I mean, he said, he, they said they saw a dragon. Oh, and he didn't know what the hell they were talking about. He thought he was, they thought he thought they were pulling his leg. So uh, he just didn't really think much about it. He just told him to stay off the trail with the rest. He was, they were leaving the next day anyway. So, uh, but he didn't, they never heard any screaming or anything, but he told That's me an after he, thing for kids to say they saw a dragon of all things. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, the kids will see something, but they, they didn't really determine what it was. The first thing that comes to mind was a dragon. Right, anyway. right. Uh, they, uh, then he saw what I had written, and he called me, and he said, well, those kids must have been telling me the truth. Well, right. that very well could be, but over the years, now that's been, what, 13, 14 years ago when I first reported it, Mm-hmm. I've had five sightings, other sightings reported to me along this creek. Now, this creek extends for at least 15 miles okay. as it empties east into the Susquehanna River. Mm-hmm. But I, there have been people that have seen this, this being uh, at different locations along the creek. Now, I don't know if this thing travels along the creek, flies along right. the well, creek. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like that's its territory. Yeah, and um, so now they're calling her old red eye now. I mean, that's the, you know, it's kind of like a Halloween thing up there in that area now. And um, mm-hmm. and now I moved back up there. I'm not, I don't really live that far from it. But, uh, yeah, so that, but the description of what I saw was very similar to what people are seeing in Chicago, which I just think is crazy. So, wow. uh, yeah, so that's what, you know, <laughs> it kind of fell on that, our laps and that we're, that's where we're at now. Right, right. And, you know, um, you also mentioned something that right before, which was one of the theories that's being, you know, uh, as far as some of these creatures, whether they come into our world through interdimensional <laughs> portal or rips. I know that some people say, well, it's not. You know, sometimes it's uh it's by mistake. In other words, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're rips or portals, purposely or whatever, uh, that that's why sometimes you'll get a sighting for X amount of time, and then it stops, and uh you know, or they come it comes and goes, or why there's lack of evidence sometimes as far as uh, for example, to get some type of uh, body for you know carcass or whatever you want to call it. What what mm-hmm. do you think about that theory of uh? of them being, if not interdimensional creatures, getting over here through some type of interdimensional portal or doorway? Well, I, I think the inter- interdimensional theory may be valid. Uh... We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Own the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz in the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Like I told you earlier, there has been some UFO and extraterrestrial, possible UFO extraterrestrial activity around the airport. That may be associated with some of these um, these sightings, and in fact, 
one of the witnesses in Rosemont, which is a suburb just east of the airport, uh, had seen one of these winged beings in the company of a, a gray being, gray alien, okay. and two female humanoids of some type. They look more human than anything else. But, okay. you know, there, she said as she was observing them, there was this bright blue flash of light. Uh, the alien being disappeared, the two humanoids disappeared, and this winged being just took off flying. Now, uh, you know, it, it's, it's weird because as far as also we've been getting a lot of, uh, especially around the Rosemont area and some of the green areas around that area, uh, we've been getting reports of humanoids. People have been either out biking or hiking, and they see something in the woods or at the distance. They can't make out what it is. They don't see wings, but they mm -hmm. see something that just is not right. It's humanoid in nature, mm -hmm. but it doesn't look like a real human. It looks something different. I don't know if that's associated with it or not. Now, I, I have talked to people who told me that these green areas around the Chicago around Chicago and out in the counties, there is there is some issue of witchcraft and occult in some of these right. areas as well. And I don't know if these are summoned beings or, or what they are. Right, right, right. You know, I, I have been you know, I've always thought that the um that the Mothman of Point Pleasant was a summoned being, actually. That's I think yeah, because of the uh the very strong indigenous energy around the uh around the area especially around that west virginia ordinance works people call the tnt plant uh mm -hmm. you know some of the evps that i've that i have heard taken there and some of the things i've heard there suggest that that may very well be some type of uh, reason why this thing showed up either it was summoned to be a sentinel or a guard of some type okay uh, you know i have had cases uh where that has happened in areas of old villages or sure. uh you know areas where people would concentrate you know tribal ritual areas mm -hmm. where there may be a very strong energy that seems to be guarding the the location right so uh that may very well be and i don't know if that i don't know if that is part of what's going on around chicago but it's just one of another theory, you know, and of course I said the interdimensional, maybe possible parallel universe, something opening up and being able to come in through, you know, I don't know, you know, you know, when you're talking parallel universe, you're talking about an infinite number of uh, realities that this thing could be coming from. Now, if it's interdimensional, you're going to get a, a limited amount of dimensions, but you know, you really can't right. tell what it is unless you see it going in and out. Mm -hmm. And I have had some witnesses who have seen this thing literally disappear on them twice. I've had two instances where they have seen this thing flying and just literally disappear like it went through. A, right. Uh, and I didn't fly away board. to the distance. It just dissolved. Just disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and those like, witnesses were very credible because they were, both of them were, one was a, two uh, very elderly ladies it mm -hmm. didn't it happened very near wrigley field and the other one was up in uh, rockford illinois rockford illinois from an, uh, an older witness by her 
and her husband and neighbor. You saw it across the street from them just literally disappearing in the air. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're getting, we've gotten all kinds of strange circumstances involving these winged humanoids. And as far as really coming down and having an explanation as to what's going on, well, you know, we're still up in the air on it. Until we get some real concrete evidence, I don't think sure. we're just going to, you know, we're just going to have to go with whatever we can come up with in the meantime. Right, which at this point is the eyewitness and, and I'm sure since you get it so from so many sources, you can say, wow, this sounds exactly like what this person saw. People that don't have any type of connection. Yeah. But since these reports come to you, you can say, wow, they are all describing basically the same thing. How could yeah. that be? And, and you know, we, we've had reports in other locations as well. I mean, around the same time in 2017, there was um, there were sightings of something very similar down in Pasco County, Florida. And mm -hmm. uh, around the Zephyr Hills area where this thing was right. showing up, um, you know, very similar to what people were describing in and around Chicago. So, uh, you know, it's right. something that's just not happening in one place. You know, the winged humanoid phenomena, you know, it, it, it really hasn't been very prevalent. You know, of course, everybody knows the Mothman story and that, but as right. far as... Uh, as other sightings, I guess people up until more recently have been scared of being ridiculed, you know, afraid of being ridiculed for reporting something like that. So, but people uh, have kind of opened up more and more about it. Well, the, the, and the thing is what, you know, I say for every story that you hear, there's probably other sightings that the people just say, forget it. I'm not about to put my, my, I'm not, my, my, uh, I'm not going to be that guy. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for people coming forward. I mean, you know, the, the thing about this thing in Chicago, we've had in, especially at the airport, uh, we've had uh, pilots, we've had air traffic controllers, yes. uh, grounds, people, supervisors coming forward and telling us about this though. The airport, the airport, um, uh, Administrators aren't happy about it. Uh, they've been on, you know, they've been trying to tell people not to report it to us, but we're still getting reports. And of course, in in Chicago itself, we've had two reports directly from police officers who saw it. And uh, I have talked to other police officers off record who have told me that they have talked to people who swear they saw the same thing. So. You know, City Hall hasn't been very cooperative. We've filed FOIA requests, but the city of Chicago just wants to leave it alone, you know. Of course. Well, let me throw in there my own personal story because my husband uh, is an ex-Port Authority police officer from New Jersey. He mm -hmm. used to work at Newark. That was one of the main airports he used to work out of. And this happened, I'm not sure, it's either late 80s or early 90s. And... Um, a lot, it's surprising because a lot of the things that he witnessed that were weird usually happened a lot of times when there were big blizzards blowing in. <laughs> but anyway, he had usually he worked during the daytime, but I can't remember why. I think it was he transferred over to night times. And and it was he says it was like really bad weather, so it was very quiet out in the. And um, he said he was walking across from one entryway to the other. And he sees 
a blue light coming down, like hitting the area. Like, in this, and he's like, you know, where's that coming from? Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, he said that they had shut down all airline takeoffs and landings, so there were no planes coming in, and whatever planes were there were, you know, were parked in the, you know, where you come up uh, right next to the, you know, where you get on the plane. I, f I forgot what the word is. Mm -hmm. So he says that he saw this very bright blue light coming up from above, like hitting down. What he was seeing was at his level, the blue light, and he couldn't figure out where is this coming from? So he says he kind of walked out. It was really blowing hard. And he says he tried to look up, but it was blowing a lot of snow and he couldn't. And he said all of a sudden, whatever it was, just winked out. Like he says from one minute. And he says he says the next day he goes to see his uh, supervisor, who at one point was a pilot for TWA, you know, way before he got into this job. Mm -hmm. And he told him, Henry, shut up. Don't say another word. Just he says that he says put, pulled up by the shirt, closed the door to his office, and said, "Come here. I want you to shut up. Don't talk to anybody about this. Don't ever say anything else about it." Yeah. And he well, was like, "Okay." And he says, "Okay, I'll do it under one condition." He says, "What?" He goes, "Put me back on days." <laughs> and he <laughs> said, "That's it." And um, till this day, he says he can't explain what where that light was coming from, what it was, or anything. Well, I like tell that. you. Newark is pretty heavy. Newark Airport is pretty heavy with incidents. Yeah. Uh, I actually lived in Newark for about six months, right very near the airport. And uh, I heard a lot. I was young back then. I mean, that was back in the mid-70s. But mm -hmm. I heard a lot of stuff back then. And uh, But no, Newark is pretty heavy with activity. There's certain airports that do have a lot of activity. Yeah. Uh, Chicago, Denver, a few other ones. But no, Newark is one of those. And, uh, you know, it's not unusual, though supervisors and administration people do, you know, they, they don't want it getting out because it scares passengers. And, uh, no, you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, you've heard that story about flight 401, that Eastern flight where they took the, the leftovers and they reused them. And then they had all these sightings and mm -hmm. of the ghosts of the pilots and, from what I understand, the uh, the the administration was threatening uh, employees that if they talked about it, even amongst themselves, you know, they were could get written up and fired, a bunch of stuff just because of what you said. Nobody, nobody who wants to fly the airlines that's haunted, you know, back then. But finally, yeah. from what I understand, they were forced to uh, take whatever um, equipment they had put on these different planes and just to stop all the stories that were coming their way. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, every airport's got a haunting story. I bet. <laughs> really? Yeah, there, there's some more than others. But every airport has had a haunting or has haunting stories, mm -hmm. pretty legitimate haunting stories coming from personnel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Despite so, all, the, all the activity that you think. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many people coming in and out of there. People can drag all kinds of stuff in there. And, uh, you know, this is like anywhere else. People die at airports, too. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on there. But, yeah, it yeah, it, it happens a lot. Um, and UFO reports are nothing for airports. I mean, you know, it's pretty well known. Yeah, well, and, and again, you know, they who wants, you know, even if those comptroller towers or those comptroller, they see anything. Do you think they're about to say before you take off? 
<laughs> no, they're not there's, gonna say no. there's something weird going on. That's uh, why like I was that. that's why I think we were fortunate to get one of the air traffic controllers to come forward. Uh and quite frankly, he and two other guys in the tower were out in the parking lot on break when they saw this thing. So he wasn't the only one that saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend in Baltimore who's an attorney. His sister is a supervisor for one of the airlines at O'Hara. Right. And I talked to her on the phone. And of course, she didn't want her name being used or anything, but she says it's crazy. She says she's hearing something every week from people on the ground she's kind of she's in charge of the um the uh the grounds people and a few other you know ticket uh, ticket takers you know people at the at the gate and stuff so she's got a pretty important job so she's uh she don't want to jeopardize it but she did she told me that you know there, there are things there are things going on and people are seeing a lot of different things so you know i can only imagine I can only imagine what people are actually seeing and not reporting. And in right, fact, exactly. I, really, uh, another problem they've had at O'Hare since we've been reporting all this is, and I've heard this from two security guards, uh, TSA people actually, mm-hmm. who uh, they have been making a lot of arrests to people that have been getting out onto the tarmac and looking for this thing. Really? <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, wow. I, I think I think the, the, the powers to be at O'Hare aren't happy about it. Well, I know they're not happy about it. Mm-hmm. And what we had a we had one of the bus drivers, one of the uh one of the bus drivers at uh at the airport tell us a couple weeks ago because he had a sighting and uh he told his supervisor and his supervisor told him all you saw was a big owl. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay. Sure. You know. So yeah, that's right. that's what that's what they're just saying. It's just it was a big bird. right. And that supervisor's thinking, I'm not gonna write up any report about no. this. <laughs> no way. No. I'm not. Because God knows where that could go, because it's like, of course Well, it doesn't go anywhere. And in fact, I've we've had two pilots who came to us about these sightings that they had at the airport, and they uh they they reported it to mm-hmm. the you know to their traffic and uh i made FOIA request to the regional effort um, um let me ask you where are they FC- seeing them are they seeing them in flight are they seeing them most on the ground on the ground and in flight both really these two pilots actually saw this thing fly in front of them as they were as they were taxiing off the runway Thing flew right in front of the oh, wow. the uh, the cabin. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, so we gotta take. That's that's gotta be one of those moments. Like, they must those two, you know you know how you have those two pilots. They must have looked at each other. Like, did you see that? Yeah, Dad. <laughs> yeah, did you see that? What do we do? Oh, let's go. Right. Well, I mean, he said he did make report. I I I found like I said, I filed the FOIA with FAA and right. uh, the regional because. Chicago is under the regional FAA for Great Lakes, and uh, huh, they didn't want to touch out with a ten foot pole. They they came not. up some kind of excuse. So, of course, you know why? Because there's always going to be that fear that if something happens, then 
that'll be tied into the siding of whatever that was. And, you know, yeah, it, it, it could go in so many ways. And yep. I know there's um, around the Great Lake itself, there's always been a lot of strange sightings. It's not only Lake Michigan. And they have all those islands that, you know, people go to mostly in the summertime. And, and along the coast, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes along, happens in that area. Yeah, the Great Lakes in general have a lot of strange phenomena. I'd say Lake Michigan is probably the worst uh, because they've had a lot of uh, what they call USO sightings where people would be out in the lake and actually see craft come out of the water. Um, right. Yeah, it, it's even, you know, they have an area that's called the uh, Michigan Triangle and the Michigan right. Lake Triangle, and that extends across the lake, and there's been a lot of disappearances of small craft, boats, fly, you know, planes, people mm -hmm. over the years, so, yeah. Let me, um, let me ask you, Lon, are you familiar with the Van Meter monster? Well, that's tiding. It, was, it happened Iowa. in Iowa, yeah. like a long time ago. Yeah. And when you, you know, when you read that, and then you think, and you think, are we talking the same type of creature? Is it, you know, it had so many witnesses that were supposedly saw it. Yeah, and Chad Lewis wrote a real good book about the Van Meter Visitor. That's what he was titled. Um, right. I, he and I believe that it was probably a pterosaur-type being, I mean, pterosaur-type mm -hmm. creature. Right. Uh, and look, pterosaurs have been seen all throughout the country. Sure. Uh, Midwest is pretty heavy with them. Uh, the Van Meter incident, there there was actually later on something about a cave nearby Van Meter where this thing had been seen going into. Now, I don't know if, right. if anything came out of that, but uh, that book is excellent. Uh, it's written by Chad Lewis, uh, The Van mm -hmm. Meter Visitor. So we're because, in other words, you're saying it's not quite as humanoid looking as what these sightings are. No, of what's this thing had an actual beak and body style like a pterosaur, pterodactyl. Right, 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 right. And I know that uh, in recent times, I had seen some. There have been two sightings of a pterosaur over by uh, Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, mm -hmm. and you know, out in the Southwest. You know, they some people call it, you know, Thunderbird. Or, but the description in some cases are very much like, you know, instead of feathers, it's got the wings like a pterosaur, they, which is a bat-like. Membrane-like wings. Mm -hmm. I have literally had hundreds of sightings of pterosaurs. Really? Yeah. Is there any area that's predominantly that you get most of the reports Midwest. from? Midwest. Uh, yeah, I'd say Illinois, Iowa, Missouri. Uh, I had a friend who's just who's passed, but he was a, a cryptozoologist investigator. Mm -hmm. And he believed that these pterosaurs actually have a part of a flyway that run up from Central America up into uh, uh, Texas, into the Midwest. Okay. I, I, know, I don't know. That's not? never really been proven to me. Right. But, uh, you know, the majority of sightings in the United States have been in the Midwest area. Could be. Why not? You know, they follow some type of migration route that right. they only understand or follow for God knows what reason at certain times of the years or whatever, whatever the case might be. But that sounds like a, sounds like a very plausible theory.
as far as uh and yeah and the thing is that sometimes you see people that even the sightings of the when you see the van meter it's it's like way back when there was not that much popularity of dinosaurs per se as far as mm -hmm. you can say well people were like you know of all the things to describe that you see in this little town is a uh, a winged monster kind of thing that uh and there was a bunch of people that saw it which is really interesting as far as uh and the i believe there was also a report I don't want to say it was around the same time, but out down in the Southwest where some, uh, some cattlemen or some cowboys said they had shot one, but they never were able to bring it back or they went back to get it and they couldn't find it. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, there was, there was one story uh, back in the 1850s, I think, in Utah. There was also one out in California mm -hmm. of this creature that was described very much like a pterosaur. Right. But, uh, I, you know, my book, uh, wing cryptids. I, I I write about all this stuff. I you know okay. this the, the winged humanoids, wing cryptids has always been something that's fascinated me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I literally just put stories or reports in there that had come to me. You know right. everything that's in that book is something that I've investigated or been a part of. And uh, it's been hundreds of reports over the years. And it must be, I th and again, we come back to when you have all these reports from people who have no connection, no way to communicate, and these all these reports come to you and you're thinking, they're talking about the same thing, or mm -hmm. they're describing the same, very similar things. Yeah, it's gotten to the point now, I, I can uh, pretty well listen to somebody describe to me what they've seen and I just by their description and the way they describe it I can usually tell if they're you know something okay. actually happened yeah you know they okay. believe they strongly believe something they saw something and okay. uh you know I take you know any report I get I I, I take them for what they say until mm -hmm. I prove otherwise because look I mean you know when they have the encounter or the sighting and then they call me. I'm part of that then. And right. here's it to me to tell them they're wrong. So, I, you know, I'll take the information I get from them. And, you know, I do that with any type of investigation I'm involved with, uh, you know. And I, I go with it until I prove it's, it's, you know, I don't think it's true, you know. Right, right, right. And, and you know what? And I understand exactly what you mean. Because mm -hmm. in some cases, you know, that. You say, you know, somebody might be mistaken, but they believe it is that. You mm -hmm. understand? Like mm -hmm. that, like that guy that said, oh, you saw a big owl. Maybe there are sightings that what they're seeing is a big owl, and maybe they panicked. Maybe it was nighttime or night was falling, and they were mistaken. But they weren't lying when they said, I think, you know, I saw this, because to them, that's what it is. But when you rule out either the ones that are lying or the ones that are mistaken, that still leaves a lot of reports of something that's that's credible like you said mm -hmm. uh and and it my point being that you 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 gather all this information you realize all these different people are coming to me and telling me very similar stories describing very similar creatures you know there's got to be yeah, something I, to it i got a fairly large sophisticated group that i work with now Mm -hmm. uh, we've got about 20 individuals in the group itself nationwide and uh, about 15 other affiliate groups as well. 
So I always have people to bounce stuff off of now. Okay. And uh, the reason I, I the reason we do it the way we do is that I've got people for the most part I can always get to go to a location to check out a report. Right. Um, it didn't used to be like that. And for most investigators, it's not like it. I've been fortunate enough with the blog and the connections to be able to get people to come aboard mm-hmm. and to really take serious look into whatever people are reporting. And uh, that's what we've been doing. And that really just started that all came together when we started into this uh, winged humanoid thing in Chicago. Uh, the really? group started building and building, and more people were becoming interested in cryptids and other phenomena. And uh, it, it's a pretty good group. It's I, it's called the uh, Phantoms of Monsters Fortune Research. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do, uh, we look into everything, but it's mostly cryptid activity and, you know, unexplained beings and such. Have you seen any cross-reporting of UFOs about the same time that you see this thing in Chicago? Have there's been like a that you we see had that one encounter. Yeah, one of the we had one site, and this is a strange one, but th- this kind of falls into the connection between possible UFO activity and extraterrestrial activity mm-hmm. with these winged humanoids. Um, In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. At the airport, on the cargo area in the the western side of the airport, there's a graveyard there. And, I mean, there is literally a graveyard called Rest Haven Cemetery that is right in the middle of the airport. (laughs) Yeah, and it's been been there for years. And um, this one gentleman who was working at one of the cargo docks was out on a smoke break about 1 o'clock in the morning. Right. And he is right across the road from this graveyard. And he says he's after smoking his cigarette. He sees this very bright oval-shaped craft literally hover above, you know, just show up and hover above the the graveyard. And then he sees a humanoid-like being ascending up into it. Now, first thing I'm asking this guy is, will this to have wings on it? And he said, well, I didn't notice any wings. But the fact that he saw some type of humanoid being pulled up off at 1 o'clock in the morning in a graveyard into a UFO, I don't think anybody's out there, any person's out there for any specific reason. Uh, You know, 
And of course, not far from there, somebody who was a truck driver saw a, a small alien being walking along the road one evening. <laughs> so now we're starting to, we're, you know, now that we're getting these possible humanoid, possible alien reports associated with these wing humanoids, you know, and of course with a UFO, you start thinking, now oh, what the hell is there a connection with this? And, um, you know, until we get more, we're going to, you know, we're going to ponder it, but right. I, I think it's good evidence. I think it's good evidence that there's a connection somehow. Right. Uh, because, and, and, and the reason why I asked is that I've heard people say that when they, sometimes they don't pick up on it right when the reports are coming in or, you know, but then afterwards when they go back and they say, wow, there's a spike in cryptid sightings or whatever the cryptid is. And wow. Mm -hmm. We've also got sightings of UFOs, independent one or the other, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, you get this uptick. You know, Chicago has always been known for a lot of UFO activity. And I mean, that whole part of the the uh, Lake Mission area is well known for UFO activity. But the, um, the, the unusual thing about 2017 when these sightings started to occur was the UFO activity actually decreased. Really? I mean, we noticed that. And we were wondering what that was, you know, what that was all about. But, uh, you know, I, I really haven't found a connection with UFO activity other than what had happened at possibly what had happened at the airport. Um, so I don't think there's a connection there per se. I'm not saying it couldn't be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but, you know, overall, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, cryptid activity and UFO activity kind of goes hand in hand in some accounts. Here in Pennsylvania, in particular, we, you know, ever since the 73 flap where people were seeing uh, Bigfoot and then, then seeing UFOs and vice versa at the same time, or more recently when people would have a report of a, of a Bigfoot, and then the investigator would go out there a day or two later, and the same area where the Bigfoot was, there are orbs of light f flashing and going in and around the trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes you want to think, well, what's the connection? You know, there's got to be a right. connection there somewhere. Because that just doesn't happen, It's you know, everywhere. So, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, and the investigators I work with and such, we all notice that. There, there does seem to be a fair amount of paranormal or supernatural activity associated with other phenomena. Let me ask you, when they see these, these reports, have they said, is there any smell or sound associated with a sighting um, or even a feeling, you know, like that you sense it in your body is. Yeah. I mean, uh, Many times there's a visceral reaction to something like this where, mm -hmm. you know, some of these, these people who had come close to these, these winged humanoids have actually had um, weaknesses where they would literally lose their legs. They'd just fall to the ground oh, okay. or they become yeah. very weak. And, uh, okay. and, of course, they'd have that dread feeling, which happens with a lot of cryptid activity. Sure. Uh, I don't know if that's some type of ultrasound or something to do with the being itself. Mm -hmm. You know, th there's infrasound. There's always been that theory that cryptid activity and infrasound kind of go hand in hand because we hear so many reports of it being associated at the same time. 
right. you know, we, we have uh, what we call upright canines or dogman sightings and encounters here in Pennsylvania, which is something we're looking very hard into. Uh, I mean, these sightings are a lot of different places, but we've been concentrating in Pennsylvania. And that, um, that other being shocked by seeing one of these things, the, uh, you know, people kind of get that, that feeling that to back off other than being scared of it, you know, right. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, absolutely. You're going to be petrified because you're seeing something that maybe doesn't fit into the reality of your world. But then you get that feeling like I, I, I shouldn't be here. Like I need to get out of here. That's something we hear all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say at least half the reports have something like that involved where it goes beyond just being the shock of seeing it. Right. It's almost like they're being told, you know, te- telepathically yeah. that, you know, you got to back off or just leave me alone or whatever. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. That does happen. Yeah. And a lot of people, um, that's the, uh, and the reason why I say this also is that, you know, sometimes, and I'm going to say this, even with sometimes the Bigfoot uh, sightings, you, you get this thing of like they're all friendly, but sometimes at some of these other cryptids, especially when there's not, I would say you go with your gut feeling, as in that you're someplace you shouldn't be, or the you need to leave. In other words, uh, not just because maybe they, not everybody wants to be friends. How's that? <laughs> well, like I said, when we when I had that encounter with that wing being. And I had a Bigfoot encounter back in 81. I I wasn't thrilled about it. I mean, it was, (laughs) you know, I wasn't really in wonder of it. I I was more shocked by it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be associated with it. I mean, this thing, you know, go your own way. I don't want nothing to do with you, and I'll figure you out later. But, uh, yeah. Right, right. And and, and I think, you know, for those people – you know, I'm sure everybody's seen it, you know, like that uh, Spielberg movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where, mm-hmm. hey, you know, all we do have to do is reach out and be friends and we'll do a an interspecies uh, exchange. Yeah, one of those deals. And it's like, I, that doesn't hold. That, that's a movie. <laughs> that that movie has done more, has put more inf- misinformation out about non-terrestrial beings than any other yeah. movie out there. I mean, it's a good feel good movie. Oh, but- yeah. I wouldn't trust any of that stuff. I mean, I have heard so many horror stories about abductions and experimentation and stuff people have told me over the years. You know, I'm to the point where I wrote a book about it. I mean, it, it, there has been a lot of, uh, there has been a lot of strange things that have happened. Now I will admit I was, I believe it was an abduction, but I was actually taken to a location at one point and shown okay. certain things. Now I wasn't, I wasn't afraid, you know, I probably, it was more well, like they were trying to show me things, but I, it was, uh, I have heard so many other stories where that just is not the case. Well, and, and this is the thing that I tell, you know, tell people, you know, considering that obviously they're technical, not technologically more advanced than us. Uh, let's say they don't hate us. How's that? But if you go by the by all these reports that you have of abductions, um, 
uh, probing, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like you have to be wary of a species or whatever you want to call them that looks at us like lab animals or rats. They all got agendas. They all have an agenda. You know, I have a friend of mine who lives down in Florida and Pensacola who I've been involved with for years. He and his family had been involved in abductions many, many years, many, many times. Um, and there was always a particular reptilian being that was part of his abductions. Okay. He, wow. he got, he, and they do not, reptilian, the reptilians that he has been associated with, he tells me that they do not like humans. They do it out of what they're told to do. You know, they're told to, to either do this and that with him or, uh, or to be associated with him or show him this or show him that. But they don't like it, right? You know, uh, it. <laughs> and that. It, it, it's, I mean, that's it, what I'm look, saying. The best whole, you can expect. Whole, is- yeah, it's a it's a whole nother realm there. You know, yeah. alien activity, non-terrestrial activity is no joke. I mean, for people who think that it 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 is, and they would like to be. I hear people say, "I would love to be abducted." No, you don't. You don't want to be abducted. I can't understand that. There's really nothing can. good that can come out of it. Most people that are abducted are abducted later at some point or have some type of encounter, further encounter. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they're doing what they're doing, and there's an agenda. And, yes. uh, you know, you, you really don't always know what they're trying to do. And, you know, really, you don't know what they're up to. No, no, no. I, and well, that's. Yeah. I. I I think that um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of theories, uh, you know, whether you want, and, and I, I think part of the problem is that sometimes we want to put our morality on them, you know, as in good, bad, or, you know, conscious, you know, what's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that doesn't apply across the board to might, what might, might not even be something that's based out of this plan. You know, that's our human thing going on, <laughs> but you don't, you can't impose it on something that might be from another dimension, another planet, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, their rationality is nothing near to what ours. The only thing I found interesting, and I've heard this from other people that have been involved with these type of activity before, is that these beings seem to be, (laughs) they're, they're more closely related to us in one thing, and that is that they do believe in a higher power. Okay like a, a supreme deity of some type. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have heard that so many times from people who have had these encounters that there does seem, there is a hierarchy, but there does seem to be a supreme being. And that's for most of these, these races who seem to, for the most part, work together when they're involved right. with these, these abduction scenarios and such. Uh, you know, Alien abduction has kind of uh, evolved over the years, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. gotten to the point where at first it used to be you'd be abducted. They'd be doing experimentation. It, it was always the grays and such. And uh, right. then that kind of got to the point where, yeah, you're, you, there would be people are being abducted for um, for sexual reasons and reproduction reasons. It's always the grays. Right. Nothing other than grays. Well, 
that has evolved more so, I'd say, over the last 20 years or more to where when you get involved with the, an abduction or an encounter, you're talking about three, four, five different races or species right. of beings that are involved mm -hmm. with, you know, mm -hmm. with an encounter. And a lot of these are very human-like. Right, exactly. And then, right, you hear like like what you've described, the greys, the reptilian type, you know, the ones that are very human-like. Uh, then I've even heard of stories of, you know, uh, people that have been abducted throughout several years where they believe they've actually seen hybrids of, they, oh, in yeah. other words, that they've taken genetic material from them and have made they've made a hybrid in other words that this is their child biologically yeah, their child. absolutely exactly. and, and and many times they kind of hold that over people because they mm -hmm. i there's been one instance with this friend of mine who um you know he has been involved with these things for years and years they literally come into his house and mm -hmm. uh he has photographed portals and such and beans all kinds of stuff his name is David Eckhart. I wrote about him in my book, Alien Disclosure. And uh, he kind of got a, a bit upset with them over a period of time, about a year ago. And he just refused to cooperate with them. And one day they showed up and there was this female girl with them. Okay. They wouldn't let him get near her, but David uh, knew that was his daughter. Okay. So, yeah, it, they kind of hold it over them. And I have had talked to other people that the same instant, they do the same thing. Brett Oldham's a very well-known experiencer and uh, they kind of did the same thing to him. Uh, they, they seem to, um, a lot of times when a female is, is, uh, is abducted they want the female to nurture the child for a small period of time or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when it's a male or the father of this, this child or this being, they kind of use it as a pawn, you know? Right. Uh, I've heard so many of similar stories over the years. You know, it, it, it's a confusing conundrum, quite honest with you. Uh, you know, but they do have an agenda. And uh, right. when you don't cooperate, they're going to try to use what they can. Right. And, and they know enough about us to you to know what to use. In other words, that that humans have a weakness towards their offspring, even my if it was. My theory is, and I got a lot of people disagree with me about this, but after all the things I've seen over the years and such, I, I believe the human race is almost like the the primary species, and that mm -hmm. these beings that we are seeing uh, are evolved humans from our future that are literally coming back and either trying to write something or right. trying to gather DNA or whatever to, right. to strengthen themselves and such. And, uh, you know, I just believe and from things that have been told to me over this time that the human race is kind of like a primary species. And quite frankly, I don't think we—I don't think we came from here. I, I think we've come from other places. Uh, I, I think that you know, people may say, "Well, you've been watching too much SG One or Stargate," and that I know, you know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way the story comes up, and the, the evidence that I've seen that I do believe that 
the human race is deeply involved with all this and that we are very much a part of it. Well, think about it. You 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 know um, you know that H. E. Well, the the War of the Worlds, mm -hmm. that in the end we vanquish them because they're brought down by what we're immune to. And if you think about it genetically, yeah. the humans that are alive now, our genetic material, we've been purged because we've, you know, modern humans have gone through all these different plagues and illnesses. So what's been left behind are the survivors. In other words, genetically, we're superior because we've gone through different strains of sicknesses. Mm -hmm. you know, and so you have the ones that are left behind are the humans that have maybe some natural immunity or they're just physically. So as far as the strength of the genetic material that modern humans have, think about it. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe more, we're more resistant to disease because of who, wh what we are right now. Uh, yeah, so going I mean, along with that theory that maybe we, we're, we're like, man, we, we need to get their genetic material, not the one from 3,000 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about it, it's not really that much of a stretch. I mean, why they want, why they want human DNA or want to study us or vice versa, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the deal is. Uh, th there's an affinity between them and us to a certain degree. Yeah, they well, may not like us, and they may have an agenda that may not be morally right to us. But I, oh, I think they're more connected. They're, I'm, in fact, I know they're more connected to us than what people want to believe. Right, which and I know that scares some people. But like oh, I said, yeah. okay, you know, when you see those and nature the shows, that's never going to come out and say that. Oh no, 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 <laughs> and, and, no! That's never going to no. happen unless, yeah, like I, I said, one lands like I don't know in the middle of a highway somewhere where it's like. It's never going to happen even then. I just think that a lot of um, – it's it's almost like, you know, when you see those nature shows where the lion brings down the gazelle, nobody says, oh, what an evil lion. It killed mm -hmm. a little deer, you know, because we want to put our morality on it. Maybe to them what they're doing is like they might not like us or they might not see what's the big deal, you know. Um, that maybe that they are just using us or experimenting on us for their own selfishness in the sense of maybe they their genetic material is depleted. Who knows? It could well, be something they may as be simple like as that. Us. It may be like us in, in any animal to the degree that they want to survive and that they may need right. us to survive. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. But that they have they have no compassion maybe towards us sure and it's a scary part i think that's a part that scares most people well that, you know um, from things i've heard and, and and from the evidence i've i've had and things i've experienced i don't think there's much of affinity for us uh from what we think but uh and uh if they can take it i think they're going to take it i mean you know may try to keep them from doing it, but it's not going to, for the most part, I don't think it's going to really make much difference. Well, let's see. Let's see what, what eventually w one day something will happen that. And, oh, it will. And this is what I think. I think we're waiting for the big disclosure. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to have to be something that occurs as in that there's no way to deny it. How's that? Yeah. I mean, something's going to have to happen to the point where, they can't deny it anymore. Right. I mean, right, right. you know, it, there's going to have to be either an attack or 
or the saucer or ship lands on the White House lawn or, or something yeah, there where, you go. Yes. where it can never oh be God. denied again or, you know. Yes, and then that's uh, it. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know. None of you know, that. Like I, told you earlier, like I told you earlier, we're being spoon-fed, you know, sure. uh, with these disclosures. I've got a friend of mine who's very, very into UFOs, ufology, and the history of, uh, you know, all of this from the very beginning. He believes there's going to be a big disclosure in June. I don't know. Okay, you heard but it here. I, I am skeptical of it. I think it cost them a lot back in 2017 to actually admit that they were funding a program to study UFOs, but they didn't say extraterrestrials. They were just saying unidentified. They didn't yeah, want to like. But what they were doing was a drop in the bucket. Oh, <laughs> they, sure. They were spending, what, $30 million on a program. Yeah. You know, that's nothing. It's what they're not something. telling you is what you want to figure out. Well, yeah, well, uh, it's almost like we'll give them this little bit, you know, just to, like, get them all excited. And let's see how how, how far that'll take us. Yeah, I, you know, I don't get too excited when the government starts coming out and saying that, you know, we're going to, so. uh, we're going to make, put some type of disclosure out or, we're going to tell you something that you don't know. I, well, you know yeah, what? I well, think whatever. What's happened is that let's face it. Nowadays, with everybody basically carrying around a camera as in their phone, you know, perhaps years and years before people would actually see stuff. But let's face it, you had a camera, like, huh? No. Mm. So now that there's more people that are able to capture some type of proof or something, it's like, okay, you know, wow, we can't. We can't go the route of denying it or calling it a weather balloon or a, you know, clouds or whatever they, all the things they've named it that that it's not. Uh, so you know, little by little, they're like dragging their butt on it. And but no, I, I agree that it's gonna have to. It's not gonna come from that end. It's gonna have to be mm -hmm. something that occurs, where it's like no, you're you're gonna have to come out and even then, they will. And you know what? That's this is my theory. Contrary, I think, to what a lot of people expect, I think there's more that they don't know than what they actually do know. Yeah, there's a lot they of, don't know. That people will say, well, what's this about this and this? And they'll go, we don't know. And they're like, what do you mean you don't know? Because, of course, everybody's thinking along the X-Files kind of theory where the government and the and the aliens are deeply embedded. And, and they're like, you mean there's a lot of stuff you don't know? No, we don't. You mean that they could be wanting to like, what? Yeah. That I think would scare people more, or for them to admit that yeah they have some information or whatever. I don't know if there's any technology. I could, I could tell you stories which I'm not going to tell you, but I could tell you but stories. But don't, don't do that. It has don't been proven. It has been proven to me with my encounters with government types that they know a lot less than what you think they know. I bet, uh, I bet. because a, a lot of a lot of us who do this fringe investigating the woo or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. uh, that get deep into it and start figuring things out. Then especially for us that start publishing this stuff, they, they make themselves known to you that they really want to know what you're we're looking into. I have, right. <laughs> I have been approached three times in my years of doing this by government types yeah about like, a case or something i've been involved with 
and uh, they either they, ask they, you. They, they, they're hoping that because of all the reports that you're going to get, that you're going to fill in the blanks for them. Well, that may be, but, you know, that you know, they don't really come out and tell you why, but a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll listen to what you have to say or ask you questions, and then uh, if they don't like what they're hearing, they'll ask you to back off. Uh, I, I've been, mm. I, I backed off on a couple things before because look, I okay. just don't want any, I don't want problems with people, but you know, uh, in a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. They're, they're, you know, and they, they have they have actually told me to uh, stay away from certain people or asked me to stay away from certain people, which I right. have done. And, uh, you know, I have been, <laughs> I was elbow deep into a case one time uh, where gentlemen thought that there were some type of government agency that was watching him. And right. he was coming up with all kinds of proof and crazy stuff and video and pictures and such and uh i have been sitting on i was sitting on the stuff for about six months and then i let it slip out when i talked to somebody i really shouldn't have told it to and oh. about a week later i had an, you know i had a uh, a visit <laughs> and oh. uh they they literally told me look you got to back off you know this guy this guy's a problem and uh they didn't really go into detail but i said okay yep yep another no word problem there right like don't become part of the don't want us to think that you're a problem yeah yeah <laughs> we, we've got a situation now where the case that we're working on or one of my associates is working on where uh they've got uh possible government involvement in it now on his property and we're just telling him be cool yeah you know, just, you know, don't threaten them. If they no. come up to you and ask you something, just be very cordial with them. Sure. And, uh, you know, you don't want to get them on the wrong side. Of, you know, have you get them oh, on the wrong course, side of them. Of course, and that's what people don't realize that sometimes, you know, like, in yeah. other words, don't think that you're in the Hollywood movie kind of thing. Because yeah, it's not, you're not going to get an advantage over them in any, right. in any instance. So, uh right. But it does happen. You know, I've heard horror stories from a lot of people that have had investigating cases. And uh, unfortunately, some of them just you never seen again. And I've heard of that. I've heard I, of that. I think that has to do with just getting this attitude that, you know, I can keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, right. 
Well, you know what? I think, you know, that, that saying about live to fight another day, sometimes some stories or some investigations, you put them on the back burner. Yeah. Because that's the wise thing to do. If let's say you find yourself in that scenario and later on, maybe you could take it up again, you know, where some things come up, but sometimes that is the wisest thing to do. Yeah. I've learned my lesson after 40 years. I'm sure. I'm sure. And you know what it is? It's usually like you say, usually when you get that feeling is because you're pretty getting close to target. Yeah. Because if you're way off, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying that's okay. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. But actually, Perfect. you know, that's the fun thing about it. You know, this is what makes me want to do what I do. Get involved with, with reports and accounts and cases where, you know, we have no idea what's going on and, we start to dig, then people started taking notice, and then you know things get a little hairy sometimes. And right, you know, but I enjoy that. So sure, sure, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and sometimes it is what it is. But but yeah, there's uh, especially now. I want to say in the last few years that again, because people have cameras, because people have proof, because mm -hmm. people are learning to coordinate uh, communications. Did you see it? I saw it. Whatever and or you have people that are trained observers as witnesses mm -hmm. that is like, okay, several of them, you know, how many people can you make like their eyesight was bad or they're going crazy or they didn't see what they saw. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's uh, I, again, I, I'm going to stick to my theory that I think that despite what everybody thinks, I think they don't know. I think a lot, they don't know a lot. And they're like, how do we ever explain that we're trying to hide our own ignorance because it could go either way when people want to say, are they friendly towards us? We don't know. We're not sure. Well, how many types are there? Well, we kind of think, but we're not sure. In other words, there's no concrete answers to be given. And then people will be like, okay, so they could be planning to come and take us over in three years. You wouldn't know, right? You mean you don't have no ambassador over there with them? Nope. No. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's what I'm saying. And you, and you made a point. People sometimes are conditioned by what they've seen in the movies mm -hmm. or in TV shows, thinking that that's really the state of what's going on behind the scenes. And it's everything but that. I've always had a lot of theories about movies and TV shows with some of the stuff that have been implied with them. And uh, you, you got to wonder if, if they're being told or you know what to put out there I, I think to a degree they do i you know i i think if they put something out that got a little too close to the truth that they'd be stopped somehow mm -hmm. uh i and, and in fact i i have talked to people involved with um productions of uh tv and, and movies and such over the years and uh you know it's just like when you got a good through the sensors with stuff. Um, I, I think if you start getting into an, a, a story or even though it may be fictional, you start getting something that kind of hits home, you're going to get right. told to back off. And I think, I, I think right. that happened. Right. Or, hey, why don't you make up this great uh, story, UFO story about, and give this the theme. Yeah, yeah just it's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. Way to go. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, well, matter of fact, you need some funding for that. You, you need something for your budget, for your film budget. But yeah, I, I agree with you. And then there's others that um, 
Sometimes I have a little bit of truth, but very little. And it's too much drama, but if you look in between the, the lines, you, you pick up a little bit of the truth of what, what really is there. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, let's see. Let's see if, if what you said about June, God, that would be great. Wouldn't that be exciting? We'll it's see. Actually, <laughs> I can tell you know, a lot is like, yeah, well, I'm not holding my breath. He actually, you know, he wrote an article that I, I posted on the blog today about this. Uh, he said, look, this, this article is time sensitive. Uh, you got to get it out by June. And I'm thinking to myself, well, and I hadn't read the article, but I went and uh -huh. read it today and I, and I posted that. I thought, eh, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I, you know, the guy, he, he's very good at what he does. Okay. Uh, he's an encyclopedia with ufology back to the very beginning. Uh, uh, anytime I have a question about something, I go to him about it. And, uh, but he's got this, he's got this theory that June's going to be the month. So we'll see. Man, talk about everybody forgetting about the economy and COVID, right? That'll mm. be like the what? No, did you hear? It's the extra. That's it. <laughs> It'll yeah. be like, forget 2020. It's the year was 2021 when we had full <laughs> ET disclosure. Wow. Yeah. See, I'm getting overly dramatic. I'm thinking of the headlines. Anyway, Lon, thank you so much. It has been absolutely great to have you on the show. I've enjoyed so much talking to you and listening to your stories. You better believe it, that especially if June we get a disclosure. You know I'm yeah, going to be, I'm gonna be getting a phone call from you. <laughs> you better believe it. You better yeah. believe it. Well, see, I posted it today, so it went out to everybody who reads the okay, blog. Okay, and so. you know what? For my podcast listeners, what's the website? Because I want to have the, the web link on the credits of the show, but for the podcast listeners, What's the website that they can go to find well, your blog? Well, it's bamsamonsters.com. And okay. uh, the story, I don't even forget the, the title of the story. But they'll uh, find it for today, which is uh, May yeah, 13th. Yeah, today. Okay. People that have the newsletter will get it. But, uh, yeah, if you just go to the blog, it's the, uh, it's the uh, second story or second okay. article that I posted today. You'll see it. Perfect. Again, thank you so much. It has been absolutely wonderful to have you on. Take care and good luck to you. Okay, I thank you and you take care. Bye-bye. Wow. You know, I'll be right back with you guys. Because, well, you know what? This thing with Lon, I... So many interesting theories, so many interesting things that we talked about. And I bet you're all going to be wondering, is June 2021 going to be the day? So interesting. Um, what Lana was explaining about all these sightings, um, different people, different sources, describing very similar things. Uh, I'm sure all of you have heard at some point theories about uh, there's a dovetailing of sightings of cryptids depending depending you know there's different types of cryptids uh, with UFOs and other type of phenomena and sometimes it's not immediately apparent it's only after somebody looks at that time period and says wow at the same time, we had sightings from all these different sources 
and sometimes these are people that, in other words, they're 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 not they're they're, they're looking for different things or they're witnessing different things, but it's in that either that same area, you know, it could be hundreds of miles, but some type of the same area, or um, there's just there is it's it's almost like a you know people seeing you i've even heard of people who have never ever ever had a sighting of anything nothing ufo cryptid nothing period zip and it's almost like in this compressed uh period of time this window of time they actually see and witness or something um the everything you know they might see uh lights in the sky something some strange phenomena and then within a few days they have a cryptid experience and by this i mean because a, a lot of people think sometimes that a cryptid experience is you know like a face-to-face -face encounter like that you actually see something but sometimes people will have experiences where um uh, God, I've heard so many stories. Let's say people that are very, they're outdoorsmen or hunters, people that <clears throat> have grown up in a certain area and they're very familiar with animals and uh, what, what, what's out there, in other words. And they'll all of a sudden have, they'll, they'll hear something uh, that they know this is not an animal that, like in other words, I've heard all the different animals and bird, you know, whatever. Even, 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 you know, some because some people say, well, some animals, you know, they make if they're in the mating season, they'll make very unusual noises that some almost human-like. Um, so, but these are people who say, no, I, you know, I've, I, I know what all these different uh, calls are. I've, I've lived out here or I've hunted out years for years and years, and I know that this. I've never heard this before or I've heard you know things like that and uh, sometimes they don't have a face-to-face -face, but they have a what is it a close brush with something that they know doesn't belong whether it's something that stalks them or even follows them uh, I've heard that what Lon was describing people being in campsites and hearing something coming through their camp um, I've heard of, uh, you know, I've even heard of prey being taken, something that let's say somebody's hunting and that prey is taken and they're not sure what it is, but they know it, and, 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 and it almost happens like, it's almost like they have very weird, unusual experience in a very small compressed period of time. Stuff that sometimes there's people that never, ever have them. These people have things and they're like, are these things connected? And I think there's enough reports of people having very, um, what is it, high strangeness, that that's why people think, are these things connected? Is there an extraterrestrial slash uh, cryptid connection? Now, there, you, you, and I'm sure some of you have heard, uh, like he was saying, he was describing where this person saw a cryptid basically being discharged or put into a, a, some type of craft. Um, I heard that did one of these stories connected to 
Skinwalker Ranch out in Utah. I had something similar from somebody that saw something. Same thing. Some type of weird cryptid. I think it was coming out of a spacecraft or being ejected. Something like that. And, and it makes you think because, you know, there's people that think, well, you know, maybe these UFOs or extraterrestrials are coming through us interdimensionally. And when they come into our dimension here, they... In other words, other things come through with them. <laughs> uh, and then there's others that look at it, if, if you want to say there's definitely a connection between the two, that basically they're being controlled by extraterrestrials. Or is, in other words, it's not a mistake that they didn't slip through. You know, that, that sometimes they are controlled, ordered, whatever you want to call it, which that could ha add a whole layer of what if to the whole UFO extraterrestrial. And then there's people that will say, no, you know what, Bigfoot, let's go with the Bigfoot. Bigfoots are strictly uh, an earth animal human. I don't know what to call it anymore. You know, in other words, they're not connected to extraterrestrials. They're just some type of lost primate whatever man offshoot but that there's nothing extraterrestrial or interdimensional about them they've always been part of this world you know they're part of this uh of us of this of planet earth and it's just coincidental that maybe there's a you know sightings of each or the other in the same time frame could be you know of course, a lot of people will hear, you know, that there's stories of Bigfoot-like creatures dating back to before settlers, you know, when the only uh, Native Americans were here on the land where they had their own stories describing uh, Bigfoot-type creatures. Uh, but there's no mention of, you know, hey, we saw them, you know, drop down from a chariot fire or <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah. It could be. It could be. It's, it's one of those things that you're really not sure which way it'll go. But um, I'm very, very curious to see if June does pan out to be the month that something happens. And by this I mean, because everybody thinks, well, the disclosure is going to come. Okay, what if it's not a disclosure, something that happens that forces a disclosure? All right. Something that happens where they can't say, well, you know... Uh, we've we've taken these grainy pictures or film and we're not really sure what they are. We kind of think it's this, but, you know, it could be. And um, we're still trying to gather evidence, you know, that one of those, like, which amounts to zero, nothing. You're, you're not doing anything. All you're doing is gathering evidence. Man, that could take you forever to do that. You could be, like, uh, going around and, you know, in other words, that doesn't mean you're going to get results. It's almost like buying you time. And I and I think Lon agrees with me. Short of um, a big, giant event where, like he says, like they'll hand on, on the lawn of the White House or, you know, or in the middle of a football game or on a highway or something, something that... That it's like the, 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 the authorities are going to be forced to 
give a very, very, very good explanation. And then I come back to my original premise. I think despite a lot of what people think or hope or led to believe because of TV shows and movies, et cetera, et cetera, that there's this grand conspiracy between uh, the government, uh, whether it's the United States government or any other government for, from all over the world, who cares? And the higher ups of the uh, ETs all having all getting together and smoking a big cigar in the back room. I don't think that's it. I really don't think that's it. I think there's a lot, lot more that's not known than what's known. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing that scares human beings more than the unknown. Despite what you may think, it scares them more to be told we do not know. Do you know where they come from? We do not know. How about their technology? Have you back engineered that? Is why we were, no. We were just smart enough to develop what we have now, but no, we we don't know. Well, do they like us? We don't know. I'm telling you, I think that that we don't know answer would terrify people more than if people said, well, you know what? We've had this, uh, this uh, treaty or agreement or exchange or communications for the last 50 years or 60 years or whoever, and yeah, we're working it out. People would be like, oh, you know, because I'll tell you what, if, how's this? If there wouldn't, if there isn't communication between humans and extraterrestrials, whether it's one species or more, I don't know. I've, I've heard, you know, different answers as to that. There's more than just one of them. It's not because of us. It's because they don't want to communicate with us. Because, you know, and I'm going to go back to the Hollywood reference because that's the easiest one to use. <clears throat> you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, they use music, musical tones to communicate. It's, it's, it's almost like let's, let's get down to the elementary kindergarten level, a universal language of music, and let's start with that. Okay? And... I don't think that's it. I think that, I mean, God knows we, there's enough on the airwaves um, that they, they, they more could adequately understand all the different languages that are spoken here and written and everything. My point being that if there is no communication between us and extraterrestrials is because they don't want any. Yeah, we could, but we just, you know, when you we're at the receiving end, we're like hoping, keeping our fingers crossed, but they could very easily communicate with us if they wanted to. And if they haven't, it's because they don't want to. And people think, well, Marlene, are you, are you like fear porn kind of deal? You know, no, I'm just saying that, um, it's almost like, okay. You know, do the scientists in the lab that use rats for experiments try to figure out rat language? No, it doesn't really matter because they're going to use them for whatever they need to use them, no matter what, for whatever purpose. Or, you know, not even rats. You know, there's different animals now that they use for experimentation, uh, especially if they're very, um, if they're very similar in humans to whatever is being experimented on. Okay, nobody, the... You know, there's no, there's no, uh, 
attempt, how's that, to decipher what, what is this animal thinking? What are they talking about when they snort to each other? Are they saying, oh, I think I'm next? You know? No, because they don't care. Because that's not the purpose of why they're there. In other words, I, I want to say about the, you know, it's like, doesn't matter because we don't care about them that much. How's that? And it's scary to think that we could have um, beings in this world that look at us that way. And by this, again, and I'm going to stress this, people don't want to put it in the good or the bad or the evil and the good. and blah, blah, blah. Not because they're necessarily evil. Maybe to us, what they do do is evil. I'm not saying no. But um, they don't get it. They don't get it. You know, they're like... Uh, they're, they're thinking, you know, they're, they don't understand our morality. Because despite what we think, even though what, what Lon said was very interesting that they have found that all these different species have, do have one thing in common, that they do believe in some type of superior being. Okay, but you have to understand, belief in a superior being doesn't mean that you believe in bad or good or in punishment. Let's say if you do something wrong in this superior being, is going to punish you some beliefs and, and you'll even see it in human civilization sometimes belief in a superior being is figuring out how to keep that being happy or appeasement and I'm sure you, you know you'll see that historically you know from the ancient times through you you'll see civilizations that their religious beliefs were sacrificing to deities to keep them happy uh, to keep them happy and or even more if things were wrong, like if there was a drought, a famine, and pestilence. It's like, okay, what do we do? What do we, uh, you know? Or in some cases, it wasn't even that. It was the custom to sacrifice or what we consider very evil things to appease this deity to like, hey, uh, I'm giving you this one. So leave the rest of us alone, like here. So belief in a superior being doesn't necessarily mean that that they would be like, oh, they 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 won't do anything wrong because they're afraid they're gonna get punished by the superior being. Mm, not necessarily. That could go a lot of ways, a lot of different ways. But it opens the door. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. And you want people to forget about everything going on with current events, uh, COVID, the economy. Well, now we've got a little uh, gasoline crunch, all of that. Yeah. Want that to go way, 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 way back to the back page of the uh, newspapers that don't get printed anymore? Have something concrete like a UFO encounter or like something like this happen. That's it. It'll, that's it. Forget about wars, battles, misunderstandings, uh, anything. It, it, everything will come to a complete halt. And then, man, talk about it coming to Jesus moment. That'll be it. All right. Let's see. Let us see. So again, guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. I hope you enjoy uh, the show and I've got a lot of great guests coming on. And again, I hope that you will be with me next week for another great stories of the supernatural. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. 
Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks.